the modern day storytellers of the Queensland Police Force. I saw some of the storytellers exhibition at the Museum of Brisbane today and was quite impressed but I captured some images and made some mental notes about the exhibits. So here goes. One thing that caught my eye was the so-called petrol barrel used in the firebombing of the Whiskey A Go Go nightclub in Fortitude Valley. And particularly I looked at the the label on the on the exhibit and it read petrol barrel used during the Whiskey A Go Go firebombing 1973 steel, presumably made of steel, courtesy of Queensland Police Museum. However, if you looked closely at the drum, it had a label saying that it was floor finish and it had a, a big caption saying it was poison and then directions for use. So I wonder who was responsible for that label. I wondered also if there are any fingerprints on it. There is a second inquest into the firebombing of the Whiskey A Go Go which resulted tragic deaths of 15 people. There is a pre-hearing on the 29th and 30th of this month. This is the second inquest. The original Whiskey A Go Go inquest was adjourned on the 12th of March 1973 immediately after Stewart and Finch were arrested. John Andrew Stewart and James Richard Finch were arrested very quickly as you can see by the date and were each found guilty of murdering Jennifer Davey, one of the 15 nightclubbers who died at the fire. Stewart and Finch famously protested their innocence from the roof of Bogger Road Jail, realigning the tiles, stating that they were verbaled by police. Of course, there was a lot of concern at the time by police to get a quick result. And the arrest of Finch in particular was quite suspicious given that he had only just arrived in Brisbane from the UK a couple of days before the firebombing. This did not give him much time to organise the largest mass murder in Queensland history. Outside, of course, the massacre of Aboriginal people when the settlers arrived here from Britain and Europe. The theory is that the Whiskey A Go Go fire was an insurance job done under a climate of fear and that Stuart was manipulated by crooked police in both Queensland and New South Wales at the time. Department of Defence researcher Jeff Plunkett who spent five years researching the original investigating officer's notes, also argues that a new inquest is needed. So this is an example of uh, historical murders. And it is quite interesting that at the same time in Sydney, there is a similar inquest 
into the deaths of the people at the Luna Park fire. This was a fire at the Sydney Ghost Train at Luna Park, which killed six children and one adult on the 9th of June 1979. It destroyed the amusement park's ghost train and highlighted the inadequacy of firefighting equipment and low staffing of the amusement park. Nevertheless, um, Sydney police are claiming that there is more to it and the exact cause of the fire could not be determined by the, the original coronial inquiry. Following an ABC expose, the state coroner of New South Wales, Theresa O'Sullivan, called upon New South Wales police to review all the evidence for the Luna Park ghost train fire in 1979. And this is because there are allegations that it was caused by arson. Police are pointing the finger at an underworld figure by the name of Abe Saffron because there have been two independent people come forward and said that Abe Saffron has confessed to being involved in the arson. At the same time, there were allegations that Abe Saffron was also involved in five other fires in the Sydney greater area. So there you have it. Two fires from the 1970s, one in Brisbane and one in Sydney, resulting in the tragic death of 21 people and with some suggestion at least in the case of the whiskey a go go fire that there are corrupt police involved in the actual organizing of the fire it always struck me as being passing strange that chris masters who investigated the moonlight state that is the uh, corruption of police in Queensland, which went under the name of the joke. It always surprised me that he didn't ever make a connection between the Whiskey A Go Go fire, which is at the top of Fortitude Valley there, and only about less than 50 metres away, the famous scenes of the nightclub uh, where he unva un unveiled the um, corruption to an attentive Queensland audience, a national audience, really. Why didn't... Maybe he did make a connection between the two, but couldn't see exactly how it fitted in. So what I'm saying is that there were uh, police involved in corruption in Fortitude Valley, they were involved in illegal gambling, they were involved in 
the running of brothels and prostitution. They were taking bribes. They were also possibly involved in the heroin drug trade that many of the prostitutes were addicted to. And also it seems at least partly that there is some involvement in the arson that resulted in a number of fires in that very small district, just in really in Brunswick Street, um, that um, is now the subject of this inquest ordered by the then Attorney General Yvette Darth. I might comment that it seems to be a almost trendy thing for politicians now to look back, uh, particularly given the conviction of the uh, murderers of the McCulkins here in Brisbane. The McCulkins, um, Mrs McCulkin knew about who was involved in the Whiskey A Go Go fire and the allegations were that two of the criminals involved, they killed her because of what she knew. Sadly, they also killed two of her daughters. So then when you look at it, the, the death toll is rising to 24. And who knows what other deaths were caused by this corruption by police. The only comment I would have about the police is that always involved in the most intense um, murder investigations, there were always an element of police that were, they were political because of the nature of the connection between the police and the uh, politicians like Joe Bielke Peterson and Rush Hins, who at, were, were ministers of police at various times. We shouldn't forget that some of the greatest period of social unrest occurred as a result of the Premier politicising the police force when he banned street marches in order to prevent the growing opposition to uranium mining and export in Queensland. So, for example, there were police that were engaged in arresting um, organisers of these rallies, including George Georges and Tom Uren, both federal parliamentarians and both opposed to the uranium mining and export proposed by J.B. Elke-Peterson. One of those police was a man by the name of Patrick Glancy, who, it turns out, arrested me from a street march that I was engaged in from Griffith University, which was challenging Bjorki Peterson's ban on street marches. Now, I'm not sure about this recollection, but I know that Patrick Glancy, first of all, put me in a paddy wagon, 
And then he took me out of that paddy wagon and put me with the help of another officer in a smaller back of a panel van. And he had a number of conversations with me prior to taking me to the South Brisbane Watch House where I was verbaled by two other police, a Charles Merton Butler and a Barry Cornelius O'Brien. Both detectives verbaled me on the firebombing of a magistrate's lawn in which the sole damage incurred was the um, partial destruction of a $25 garden hose. Pat Glancy, if I, my memory serves me correct, to soften me up, I suppose, and his way of doing that was, well, Kerr, I'm wondering about you, and could it be that you were somehow involved in the whiskey a go go firebombing? This, of course, is ridiculous. Firebombing of the whiskey a go go resulting in those tragic deaths. That was in, I think, 1973, and I can see very little connection between uh, what was my political activity and the involvement of criminals in trying to do an insurance job on a nightclub that went tragically wrong. Anyway, he used that technique. Unfortunately for me, I was verbaled in that interview room by O'Brien and Butler whilst my solicitor was downstairs, Noel Newnan, who's later became a magistrate, he was banging on the door asking to see me uh, because he was fearful of what might be happening upstairs given the modus operandi of police at the time was to verbal people on charges. He was denied access and I later went to trial and was acquitted by a jury. But not before being put in jail, arrested on a number of occasions, my house raided, beaten up, really knocked unconscious, uh, mistreated in the prison system itself. There was one point where one of the judges of Bernie McLaughlin decided he wanted to up the ante and you know, suggested that the prosecution might want to consider that my involvement in the street march at Griffith University should be um, a criminal charge of, um, I don't know exactly, of unlawful assembly or riot or whatever. That never happened. I, however, I was charged with the burning of the magistrate's lawn. That magistrate went on to be the deputy chief magistrate and he had a long involvement in the prosecution of street marches. He unfairly convicted a number of people and looked the other way when it was clear that police had beaten those people up. Um, and that was his political intent, I believe, because I saw him once in the Brisbane City Mall walking on a Friday afternoon late down through the mall and he saw someone speaking from a soapbox and uh, the person's name was Ian Rintoul and he just went by him and sort of gave him a shoulder, shoulder charge as he went by just knocking him off the, the soapbox and off he went down the, down the mall.
um, possibly um, in a drunken state. Anyway, that's it.